door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, will accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Change will come. <laughs> I know it's going to come. Okay. Well, we're, we're ready. Well, we're ready or not. Okay. Hello, Baltimore. My name is Tyrone Bose, owner of BPPW Heat and Cool. And I'm and welcome to our show, the Call Tyrone Show. And I'm here with my millennial co-host, Zachary Leacock. He is a socially conscious vegan and a co-producer of the Channel 10 podcast. A podcast which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. Good afternoon, Baltimore. How's it going? He also majored in radio, TV, and film at Howard University, the Black Harvard. Yes, indeed. Yeah, or or maybe what? <laughs> maybe Harvard is the uh, White Howard. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Now, what you just heard was the uh, the late great uh, Sam Cooke, and that song uh, "Change Going to Come" is very, very, um, very strong song, and he, he produced that. Um, you know, as a as an anthem for civil rights movement, one of the anthems anyway. There's a lot of them, and and um, that was a response to a song by uh, Bob Dylan, the um, the uh, the answer my friends blowing the wind, which he he was kind of embarrassed that he hadn't come up with something like that up to that time. So, he, in response to that uh, embarrassment, he decided to come out with that, which is, is an excellent song, by the way. He was an excellent singer, and um, that was one of my favorite songs, uh, and it's very um, relevant even today. It says it's Thomas. It's a Thomas song. It's, it's very, very, very re- relevant. Um, and that actually has played right after. It, it was actually released after his death. Okay, so the song is almost about death. Um, very, 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 uh, very relevant. Okay, especially in, with today's times. But I think if he was to make that song today, that's, I guess the name of the song would be "The More Things Change, the More Is uh, <laughs> Remain the Same." Um, very, a lot of very disturbing. Of a lot of very disturbing news. Um, I know. Um, you guys heard about the uh, the officers that were killed in Baton, Baton Rouge. I think the guy that was in the Marine Corps or something at one time. And, um, uh, yeah, very, very troubling. Um, and also the verdict came down. I guess you've, you all heard uh, um, uh, for the uh, last officer that was... Uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, uh, Brian Rice. Um, that was, yeah, on trial. Uh, he was acquitted of all charges. Right. Uh, Anybody surprised about that? 
<laughs> um, I mean, it's like the perfect script. You know, you get you. Uh, um, um, I, a friend was telling me I can't record anyway, but, but it's, it's like the perfect script. You get your black judge, and um, you know, you get everybody exonerated. The worst that could have happened is you could have convicted uh, two black cops who were driving the van. So right. I hate I hate to say it, but that's what it looks like to be. I'm I'm not easily you know fooled or or, or manipulated mentally. And I've always been that way. I'm always suspicious. I hope I hope what I'm saying is not correct. I hope what I'm saying is not correct. I really do. And um, but but from, <laughs> it doesn't pass the smell test for me. None of these trials. Now I don't think any of them going to get. There's going to be a conviction. There's going to be no justice for uh, Freddie Gray, who supposedly went into a van, climbed to a van, and committed suicide um, by severing his own spine. And his 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 uh, was his Lauren Excellent. Um, which uh, the film that we saw, we all saw, uh, in the case he was injured for, he even got into the van. And uh, but we don't, we don't believe that. We believe what they tell us. Um, well, we would believe our lying eyes. Okay. So today, uh, what what I want to talk about is economic empowerment. All right. Um, because one of the things now we can't change the criminal justice system. All right. It's gonna be it's gonna be what it is. It's not gonna be fair to blacks. Um, we can agitate for change. We can protest when something happens. And that's what's been going with Black Lives Matter and things like that. And hopefully it will change. It will be fair for everybody, okay? But um, we, we know that there, things just aren't, even when you're accosted on the streets, you know, um, you know, and even the most docile um, Negroes that believe everything that's put out in the media could see that that young man, that uh, Philandro Castro, when he was killed, um, it, didn't, it wasn't required. You know, the man, he, he didn't have a criminal record or anything. He had a job. He was, he was, um, he was gainfully employed. He was a cafeteria worker. He did comply with all of the officer's uh, commands. Anybody, any fair-minded person, black, white, you know, whatever, could see that that was wrong to kill that man, take his life. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be a conviction, but, you know, um, obviously something happened. Manslaughter, whatever, something happened. Okay. Um, I want to talk about um, um, uh, economic empowerment. Um, by now, you know I own a business, and I wanted to um, discuss ways of starting a business because um, one of the... Uh, things that plague us is is large unemployment um and i would like everybody to look this up when you get a chance the unemployment rate in Santana winchester is 51 was it 51.8 percent right 51.8 percent i believe right if you um, if, yeah if you google that uh and, and google the um justice policy institute you should come up with those figures for 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 black males 16 to 65 in Santana winchester it's amazing but a lot of people don't don't get that they don't understand why a lot of it has to do with mass incarceration and a lot of these guys have records and that have rendered them virtually unemployable and i'm not excusing crime or anything or or criminality if you are committing crimes or if you are selling drugs which is what a lot of them are getting incarcerated for you know in these impoverished neighborhoods i would advise you to get out of it you know it's just get out of it you know and i know it's easy for me to say because um you know what if you know, I, I, you know, in a way, I can see that uh, some of these people, they know they're gonna have money at the end of the day. All right, I was just putting it where where you can get it, and uh, otherwise. But at any cost, if you can get out of it, get out of it. You know, we we gotta stop it. We gotta stop the violence and all this other stuff that's associated with the drug trade, which a lot of it is. Um, and that's one of the one of the that's one of the things that would help you having a clean criminal record anyway when you're trying to start a business because a lot of times they base. You know, people will do research on you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm not saying that uh, if you have a criminal record, you can't start a business. It's probably easier to start a business with a criminal record than it is to uh, um, get, get a, job. a job. Yeah, to get a job in this society. Because people, we are very, unforgi- we are very unforgiving about stuff like that. 
Um, so that may be, and I, I know people that have criminal records that, that have barbershops and everything else. You know, they turned their lives around. Nobody was given would give them a chance, but they decided to give them their own self a chance. And that's what economic empowerment is all about. So let's talk about the myth of uh, affirmative action, for instance. During the 1990s, you know, the much heralded, you know, economic boom of the Clinton years, African-American men were the only group that experienced a steep increase in joblessness, a development directly traceable to their rapid inclusion in the criminal justice system. You know, during the 1990s, kind of the best of times for the rest of America, the unemployment rate for non-college black men was 42%. Affirmative action, though, has kind of put a happy face on this racial reality. You know, seeing black people graduate from Harvard and Yale and become CEOs, corporate lawyers, not to mention president of the United States, you know, it kind of causes us all to marvel, like, oh, what a long way we have come. But recent data shows that much of black progress is actually a myth. In many respects, African Americans as a group are doing no better off than when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and uprisings swept inner city communities across America. The black poverty rate today is about the same as it was back then. Nearly one quarter of African Americans live below the poverty line today. The black child poverty rate is actually higher today than it was in 1968. And unemployment rates in the African American community, they, they rival those in third world countries, right? And that's with affirmative action. So when we kind of pull back the curtain and take a look at what our so-called colorblind society creates without affirmative action, I think what we see is a familiar social, economic, and political structure. It's the structure of racial caste. And the entrance into this new caste system, I believe, can be found in the prison gates. In the civil rights community, We've allowed a human rights nightmare to occur on our watch. You know, while many of us have been defending affirmative action and trying to hold on to the gains of the past, millions, millions of people have been rounded up for relatively minor crimes, branded felons, and then released into a parallel social universe in which they are denied the same rights that our parents and grandparents fought for and some died for. That's the reality. You know? Okay, that was uh, Michelle Alexander, the author of The New Jim Crow, uh, Mass Incarceration in the Era of Colorblindness. Okay, so she's a civil rights lawyer. And she would see young men come in and out in chains, mainly based on the war on drugs, which we discussed on the last show, was started, and delivery started by the Nixon administration when we had 200,000 people in prison. And the result is now, today, we have 2.3 million people in prison after the war on drugs. So you can see it was prison population exploded uh, almost tenfold as a result of the war on drugs, as a direct result of it. And a lot of, I, don't think, I, mean, I don't think most people even realize that, that not that... This has happened, but, you know, the magnitude of the problem. A lot of people don't realize it even happened at all. You know, a lot of us have been sleeping like Whip, Rip Van Winkle. If you ever heard the story of Rip Van Winkle, when he fell asleep, King George of England was on the wall. Picture King George of England was on the wall. When he woke up after, what, 20-some years, 
It was a picture of George Washington. And he had slept through a whole revolution. Mm. So we, we, uh, we got to be, we can't be sleeping on this, okay? And um, so let's talk about, and as, as I said, one of the ways we can attack this, we're not going to change the criminal justice uh, system overnight, but we need to agitate for this change and fairness and then policing. Um, when, when businesses thrive, let's talk about when businesses thrive in the black community by Dr. Claude Anderson. 1866 and, uh, and up to about 19 into the 19, 1920s, black folk had the greatest economic achievement they've ever had in this country. Even though even under, if it didn't occur under integration, it occurred under segregation. Those black folk had, had managed to acquire over 20 million acres of land in, according to the United States Census in 1920. 20 million acres of land. But between 1920s and 1950s, they lost almost all of it. Back in the 1920s and up to the 1940s, we had black broom factories, we had black mattress factories. Almost every black major city had at least two cab companies. We had, uh, we had black bus companies, we had black shipyard up here in Baltimore. And when I say black bus lines, I'm not talking about just having three or four buses. We had over 500 buses. And, I, and this is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And our bus, our bus company didn't just service just the black neighborhoods, it serviced the blacks and the white neighborhoods. We had two black cab companies. We had the Harris Cab Companies and the Campbell City Cab Companies. But they used to have their own restaurants, they had the best nightclubs in the country. The black blacks had two baseball leagues. Each baseball league had eight teams. We had over 500 of the best baseball players in the world. But what did they do? They wanted to integrate. So as soon as they put Jackie Robinson with the, with the, with the, on, the, on the Brooklyn Dodgers, Black folks said, we'll give up all of our black baseball leagues, black teams, and all our black players, and we can just get one black boy to play on a white team. Now, black Americans were, were gung-ho about integration because we thought that would be our passport to freedom. We equated integration with freedom. Okay, all right. That was Dr. Claude Anderson uh, on, on when uh, back, black businesses thrived. So we had a, we had a pass where... We had to do. We had. We were forced to do for self because we weren't late. We weren't allowed to move into white neighborhoods or anything. Everybody, all the doctors and everybody lived in the same neighborhood, and lawyers, everybody else. We couldn't. We couldn't move. It was segregation. We couldn't move anywhere, and we had our own nightclubs and 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 uh, where they had professional singers and jazz singers and jazz players, musicians, black musicians, and things of that sort because we were forced to do it. Black hotels. I don't think we got any black hotels now, but we were we were actually forced to do it because of uh, um, uh, segregation. Uh, yeah, um, de jure segregation. Um, okay, let's let's talk to uh, Don. Good afternoon, Don. How's it going? Uh, good afternoon to you. Hey, Don. What's going on? So, so is that the answer that we need? Do we have to go back to segregation for for us to receive any justice? Absolutely not. Absolutely, and we shouldn't have to go back to segregation. We should never go. We should never even think about being second class citizens for anybody. So. What, what, what I would say is that one of, the, one of the things we need to do is we need to start looking at whether or not we can um, start our own businesses. And that's what I, I, I discuss on the show. Um, now, one, if, if, now, if you got a job where um, you're, um, you have retirement, you're like five years from retirement, stay with the job, you know, and start, maybe start looking at developing a business when you, depending on your age when you retire. Because there's some people that retire very young, people in the military, people in the police force, they retire very young. You need to start looking at things to empower yourself economically. And also, you can help your family with that business. I've been able to help my family with my business. So even though you're starting a business, it's going to help 
it's going to help impact the community. You know, you may hire a few people out of the community and that they're benefiting from the fact that you started a business. You know what I'm saying? What what are we going to do for the masses of people? Because it seems like to me the system is designed to basically... Ensnare you. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, to basically uh, create a a permanent... Underclass. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what, that's one of the, one of the theses of Michelle Alexander in her book was that um, that the the war on drugs itself was a form of social control. If you take, take drugs, and this has been a proven fact, and put it in any impoverished community, and uh, right. it's a black market item, then the, the people, the, some not all the majority, a small a small minority of people will engage in selling that marketable item, and some people will be so depressed they'll start consuming it, and you know, right. so. It's a self-fulfilling thing, you know, and then some kids are born into that. And um, they see the poverty there. They, they see that they, there's no food in the house because their mother or their parents are on drugs or, or the father's incarcerated. And they, they, they feel like they have to do what they got to do to feed their, their brothers and sisters. I'm not excusing this thing. I would advise nobody to go to, to, to drug selling and criminalize them. So but once you get a criminal record, you're in a, you're in a separate caste system. People look down on you, and it hurts you when you go to get employment. You can't deny that. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to get a job, but it does hurt your employment prospects and uh, okay. other prospects in life. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. What, what about the, the, the young entrepreneurs who got the, the, the talent and skill? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of people, Don. Don, we got a lot of entrepreneurs as young people. Now, they might not be into legal pharmaceuticals, but, <laughs> but street-level pharmaceuticals, they, they're the best, um, they're the best um, um, capitalists out there when it comes to that right. type of thing. Where are they going to get the money from? Who? <laughs> They can't go to the to the white banks for the most part. Where are they gonna find the money to start a business? They're not gonna lend it to them. They're not gonna lend it to them because a lot, a lot, and and maybe they might get one or two here or there, but it's gonna be hard to get a loan when you got a criminal record for selling dope on the street. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, and your family doesn't have money. A lot of people. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. I remember um, Romney had visited a mayor, one of the mayors uh, out west somewhere. And um, he was telling the kids they can they can start a business. The poor kids in that in that school they they were poor Hispanic kids. He said you can start a business if you can't get a job. And they said and they said well we will get the money just like you said. They said where you get the money? And and Romney who was a one percenter he said um, you can borrow from your parents. And the mayor that was with him said why not think of that? You know so you said like a joke and Romney didn't even get it. So that's that's the thinking of the of these people. They don't understand. That in a lot of cases we've been socially engineered to be stuck in these um, environments, and I'm not saying you shouldn't stand for yourself. I stood up for myself. I have a business, all right, and it's benefited me, my family, and others in the community, all right. Right. So I'm not saying just give up. No, I would never say that. There's ways out of this thing, but we've got to work for this criminal justice system because it's not fair, especially when you're arresting six times as many blacks than whites when they smoke marijuana at the same rate. So we know, even when the arrests aren't fair. Or you're killing blacks. You never hear nobody shooting an unarmed white man at a traffic stop for a broken taillight, have you? No, I, I sure have. I haven't even. If you did, let me know. I'll give you $100. Right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> it, 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 Tim Scott, that, he, Tim Scott from, uh, uh, I think, from South Carolina, the, the senator. Uh-huh. The, the senator from uh, South Carolina. Yes, yes. He's been, pulled, he's been pulled over like seven times. He's right, right. Senator. I've been pulled over several times. I've had guns pulled on me by the police. I haven't been involved in no crime. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you tell white people that, they look at you like you lost your damn mind. Or the officers would never do anything like that to you. You must have done something. No. <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything. I, I was driving while black. That's what I did. That's the crime yeah. I committed. You know, you can't understand that because they would never do it to you. They would never do that to you. That's why you can't get it. You don't get it. 
Right. And they don't get what's going on now because they can't right. comprehend it. The police would never do that to them. Well, know? I'll just say that I'll just say this in closing. Uh, we got to start hitting them economically because that's the only thing they respect. Well, we have we got a lot of calls, but just just, just bear with us, calls. I'm trying to make this point. We have we they say we we're bragging about um, we got three trillion dollars in um, economic we spend consumers we consumers we spend three trillion dollars a year giving it to somebody else making them rich okay I'm not I wouldn't be bragging about that because that's like the crackhead in the neighborhood saying I buy all the crack in the neighborhood I'm the biggest crack buyer in the neighborhood now who's got the power the, the drug dealer the crack dealer or the or that or that crackhead you know what I'm saying because he, he right. tell him I'm not gonna sell it to you then he's hurt you know he's got to find somewhere else he got to walk up. 20 miles or five miles to the next, you know, cartel and get, you know what I'm saying? So he really has no power. He's just bragging about some being a consumer and making a, a drug dealer rich. <laughs> and that's what we're, that's where we're at. I'm sorry. Let's go to the next call. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much. Okay. Next up, we have brother Muhammad. Good afternoon. How's it going? Yes. Good afternoon, General. How you doing? Good afternoon, sir. How's, how's it going, brother Muhammad? Yeah, great show. I was glad to hear, uh, uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, being played, uh, this is what uh, one of one of the, the prime uh, educators that a lot of the millennials are listening to. Right, right, right. I got a um. Well, well, what we're going to do in a, in a minute, um, brother Muhammad, is we're going to we're going to play the five tenets of powernomics. That's his. That's his. Um, powernomics is his concept of uh, self empowerment for for black folks. Now it's not going to cure all our ills, but it will go a long ways towards um, you know. Giving us power and leverage. What, what, you know, and I want you guys to talk about. I want you guys to talk, tell the truth. You know, talk to the people. You know, you have to reach the people in order to teach the people, right? Right. Absolutely. Tell the I people agree. the truth. You know, the, tell them the no, truth. No, no, no. The, the Black American Christian experience is a prison. It's a prison. The the Black American Christian manager elite, they failed us. Well, well, brother Muhammad, yes, I, I'm well, not. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They didn't. I'm not denying what you're saying. Direction. That, brother they, didn't listen, not, brother they, did listen, they did not listen to the divine direction. They listened to the Jews who are okay. in charge kill, of kill, civil kill, rights. Kill. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, we're not here to, to uh, critique people's religions, okay? But you're right, Brother Muhammad, that they, they did fail us, that the elites, the black elites have failed us. And throughout, if you study history, throughout slavery, there were always black people that were willing to um, you know, capitalize on the sufferings of other black people. Some black people even owned slaves. And, and the, the white I'm not saying this gets all white people. Some white people are actually good. I've seen good ones, and I've been around good ones. And white people goodwill always um, welcome to help us in a time of need, and they have. But they're, the white people that are into the white supremacist thing, they would give all kinds of power to a, a Negro that would actually help keep you um, down, you know, to keep you, um, 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 you know, in your place. Uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, for instance, he's given limitless power as a Supreme Court justice because he's quite willing to um to uh, shut down black people in any way, shape, or fashion, be it affirmative action, he's always voted against that. He's all he's approved uh, uh, the violation of our Fourth Amendment rights, and he wrote the uh, uh, majority opinion on it. So Negroes like that have failed us, and um, we do have a problem. A lot of people haven't recognized it until we saw that that man that didn't have a criminal record get shot in the street, get shot down like a dog, and had for nothing. And now it started even like I said, even the Negroes that are even even Negroes that believe in the system, that opened their eyes up a little bit too. So that's a big awakening. You know, it's been a big awakening. Next caller. Next up we have Sean. Good afternoon, Sean. Hey, Sean. Uh, good afternoon. Well, with all due respect, uh, I have to agree with um brother Muhammad. Okay, yes, because you're right. I, listen to, I respect that. Because I listen to um Doctor Um I'm not saying uh, I disagree with him. Muhammad. 
Uh, I just. I'm not saying I disagree with Sean. Dr. Muhammad with the um, Minister of Agriculture with the Nation of Islam. Right. Every Saturday he has a show, and he only he only doesn't talk the farm, which is his show, but he also talk economics and um, other ways for you to start businesses. And I think, like you said, you don't want to get on the Christian, but I think right, I don't want to get on anybody really about their religion. Right, right. That's not good. Well, That's why. Let me finish, Sean. 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 That's why. Sean. That's why they have so much turmoil overseas. Because that people are fighting over religions, you get the wrong type of Muslim. You're not a you're not no, a Shia no, no, Muslim. No, you're not a, you're I mean, not a no, Shite Muslim. You're not a, a Sunni. I'm you a non-believer. Know? Right. I'm a non-believer. But we gotta be but careful I'm just about that. A salute for solutions. We right. Me too. Solutions, me too. Okay. Yeah, I'm a non-believer, but I'm just giving. I'm just saying. I listen to the brother. Uh, you know, with the NOI. But anyway, I want to talk about what's your experience with the SBA and scores because I've had problems with them in the past. I've talked to other brothers that finally did get their business off the ground. Well, off the ground. Well, here's my problem. Yeah. Go well, ahead. it's 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 very it's very difficult deal with the SBA. I, I pretty much ignored them. I'm going to be honest with you because what I did, if you are uh, if you are a black person or any person. You need to become an expert at something, okay? Become an expert at something. And something that you actually, they say if you're do, doing something that you like, you'll never work a day in your life and if you can make money at it. So uh, you find something that you that you actually enjoy or, or at least um, are satisfied with and become an expert at that. Then once you become an expert at it, make sure you get your credentials straight. Now, I have three licenses. I have a master plumbing license. I got this in the corporate America first. I got a master plumbing license. I got a master HVAC license. I have a master gas fitters license. And at one time, I sold real estate. Okay? So you got to get your credentials because in this country, uh, uh, paper means more than reality when it comes to credentialing and, and, and uh, getting jobs or starting businesses. Right. That's true. Let me ask you a question. So yes, sir. you said real estate, I started like a small real estate investment fund with me and a couple, you know, just a handful of friends and family. What is your suggestion? Because that's on the East Coast, you know, say from um, New Jersey where I'm at down to uh, well, Virginia, North Carolina. We we looking just to buy a small property, right. you know, put some work into it, and maybe rent it out, and then expand from there. See, I think that's part of the problem. When I go on the internet, I've done all the research myself, but it's never no okay. Look at the tax I'm sales. Pay $1, look at thousand dollars, and then get some information. Right? No, don't pay no thousand. Like, you know, go down and look at the tax no, sales. I'm just saying let, that let me finish. Yes, your question. Can I answer it? Okay. okay. Go down and look at the tax sales. Um, downtown. They have people that I've done that in Philadelphia. No, do it in Baltimore. They have people that that their prices come up on tax tax sale, and and right. you, what you could do is pay the money if right. you have the money. If you have this is if you have large sums of money, and if if one, you, you, let me finish, let me finish. Either you'll get the house or you'll get a large amount of interest for putting your money up. So you're gonna make money one way or the other. Now, if you get the house, you're gonna, you're gonna uh, might have put some elbow grease in there to get it done. My brother, my brother, he was a lineman down the point. He decided he didn't want to do that anymore. So what he did. Was he started? Um, he started buying. Um, you know, he drove cabs and other things for a while. He had vending machines and he tried all kinds of. He had perseverance. He tried all kinds of different things because he wanted to preach. So and then, and his job didn't allow him enough time to do that. He was always on call. He's electrical lineman and they call him any time of night or whatever. So and he wanted to preach. So he he decided that he this was consuming too much of his time. He wanted his own business. So he he started driving cabs. He then he, he back then you can make a lot of money driving cabs. And um, he started saving up his money. He started um, buying vending machines. Okay, now that didn't work out too great, so he went to buying houses. And then he started buying houses for like three thousand, two thousand dollars, fixing them up and selling them for like fifty thousand. These are row houses, but he put a lot of work in those houses. So he would sell two of those houses. He didn't have work the rest of the year. 
You know what I'm saying? But he put a lot of work in those houses to get them done. Now yeah. that the, now the housing market fell out. The bottom fell out of the housing market. You know that, right? So yeah, what I he did was he started buying these houses, fixing yeah. them up, and uh, renting them out. He became a landlord. So you got to keep adjusting to the flow. You can't give up because something you know didn't work. So that's no. what. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I understand that I haven't even started. It's just that, you know, people have trepidation, especially black people, with um, taking risks. That's another thing that we need to do shows on risk. Because black people, from what I understand, have a tough time, man, taking risks. There's a chance for them to lose all their money. They like things that they feel is a little bit solid. That's why they have 401ks, which I would never recommend right, to right. anyone that is to have right. a 401k. Right, because that's, a, to yeah. me... Those those four one Ks and stuff is just a way for rich people to steal money from us. <laughs> to put it blunt, you know, because money yep. money never disappears. It's like energy. Even when the stock markets fail, somebody's making money on it. I knew yeah, a guy he correct. would bet against the stocks and still make money. That's correct. So that, that's why we're very careful with that like stuff. You, man. Yeah. We need more shows like you to to, to say that and, and talk about taking risks. You got to take risks. Life is about risk. You got to be able to step out, you know, and take risks. You put yourself yeah, out there yeah. because life is yeah. about every time you wake up, it's about risk. All right, uh, Sean. All right, brother. Thank you Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. All right, sir. Um, uh, if Amy wants to call back, you call back. I, I, we saw you up there, and, and I know you, you probably can wait around, whatever, but uh, you, uh, your call got dropped, but feel free to call back. And we didn't hang up on you. <laughs> All right, Amy. So let's talk about the five tenets of Powernomics. Everything must not be done on a vertical order. The first is like a five-story building. Right. The first story in that building is economics. You must always deal with economics first in a five-story building. Forget all this crap about what I'm going to deal with education. Forget education. The first thing you must deal with is economics. And the second floor is politics. The third floor is court and police department. The fourth floor is media. And the fifth floor is education. We have been bamboozled, misled, miseducated to always try to jump to the top floor, to the fifth floor, deal with education and come back down. It won't work. You must always deal with an economic base first. You must build businesses and industry. You build businesses and industry, forget about the second floor, which is politics. You build those businesses and industry until you learn how to acquire wealth, power, economic wealth. Then you take the money from that first floor and you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician who you cannot buy on the second floor, you rent or lease it. And then you send him up to the third floor. He then goes to the third floor with these instructions. You go to that third floor and you learn how to control the court system. Okay. Now, again, um, we look at a lot of this crime and stuff in the, in the, uh, in the uh, black community in Baltimore City and, and other urban environments without any analyzation. We don't analyze. And I'm not excusing crime. Again, I would never excuse crime. I would advise anybody to go to crime. If you're in crime, get out of it. It's not, you know, in the end, it'll destroy you. It'll consume you. Um, because um, when you're doing wicked stuff, the devil has the power to grant you uh, all kinds of gifts, too. But he's basically there to destroy you. He's basically wants your soul. So when you sell your soul to that type of lifestyle, then you, ultimately you'll be destroyed, be it incarceration or, or, or whatever, because you didn't, you didn't gain it fairly or rightfully. Um, 
you gain it through suffering of others. And I'm not trying to be um, judgmental, but that's the way it is. That's that's the that's the karma of life. If you want the cosmic, the cosmic justice of life. Um, okay, so there uh, a lot of this poverty and stuff is is because they're not sharing the wealth with us. Okay, they're not they're not really sharing their wealth. Um, and you look at things like poor covenant. They're saying all these jobs are gonna come. They're not gonna hire your 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 kids or your nephews and nieces if they have criminal records. They already know that. So they bring all these jobs to Baltimore. People outside of Baltimore will get them. People outside of Baltimore will build those buildings. I used to work construction. I you know as you know as a tradesman, and um, you know at that time I was making pretty good money, thirty dollars an hour or whatever. And uh, a lot of those people, when those jobs would be, were coming from out of town into Baltimore, commuting into Baltimore, and looking at you in contempt as they drove out with that money they made there. And then stop at the store on the way out to buy um, buy soda. So when we understand things in the context of there's 51 percent unemployment for uh, people 16 to 64 in Sandtown, Winchester, then we we start to understand why there's crime there. Crime is a function of poverty. Okay, people that have everything and are committing crimes are psychopaths because they have no reason to do it. And I'm not excusing crime again. I'm just saying that that when you have poor people, you have crime. That's anywhere, anywhere in the world. Um, Okay, Maria. Okay, um, it's uh, Dr. Marva Herring. Okay, Dr. Uh, Herring. Yes. How you doing today? How's it, How's it going, ma'am? Doctor. Oh, I'm doing great. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. If I felt any better, I pass off from excitement. I'm blessed. I can't, you know, I can't complain about anything. But I do see some of the ills of society, and I, I will point them out. You know. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and, wrong with that. and you're doing a, and you're doing a great job today on your program. I just wanted to make a comment about uh, uh, fantastic information that you're giving out. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate it, Doctor. Um, um, you have a PhD or you're uh, medical? Uh, I'm a dentist. <laughs> okay, that's the <laughs> dentists or doctors. You gotta be smart to be a dentist. You have got to be smart to be a dentist. And uh, in some cases, you got to be more skilled than the average doctor. I don't let nobody put their hand, just anybody put their hand in my mouth. <laughs> I know you're highly skilled. You know, I'm very proud. I'm very proud. Yeah. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's fun when you're working with fun patients. And then if you're not working with fun patients, you got to make it right, so that right. they start to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you got to have a lot of skills to be uh, a dentist. You really do. You got people skills. Because people, people you put, yeah. put them in pain. And you got to convince them yeah. that that pain is necessary. So that takes a, a yeah. very high skill level. And, and you got to be gifted to work in people's mouths, move their teeth, manipulate their, their gums, their teeth, and all that stuff. I pre have appreciation for that. You know. Oh, you are too nice. <laughs> no, wow. I'm not too nice. I'm telling you. You, I mean, you're a very skilled person. I mean, I fix AC systems and I install them and all that stuff. But I can never <laughs> even think about going to somebody's mouth and pulling the tooth or, or uh, putting in a filling or putting in an implant. I can't. I'm not, I'm not that smart. <laughs> So I'm impressed. Sometimes, Go ahead. sometimes it pushes you because I've had patients. Last week we had a patient who couldn't understand what we were doing, so he was telling us we were stupid. Y'all don't know what you're doing. And, you and know how, Dr. Herring, how sometimes, the yes. other reason I'm glad you called is because dentistry leads to um, uh, business only in a lot of cases. Professions like that. Doctor's offices. And dentist, I said a lot of times feels like dentistry actually leads to entrepreneurship. They go hand yes, in hand yes, in a lot of yes. cases. That's yes. why, another reason uh -huh, I'm glad you called. Where, that's where I am. Uh, I, I was, you know, getting all the information that you were giving. That's exactly what, what I'm doing now, trying to uh, expand on that, like you said. Right. You're but a subject you matter expert. And what I would advise people to do is become an expert in something. You're an expert in something. 
And that's valuable. Yeah. That has value. And yeah. I would advise people, if you got yeah. a job where they let you go to school, go to school. If they let you go to school for free, go do it. I mean, what's the that's problem? Right. The only thing that happens that's is you right. can get better or you, it can benefit you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to kill you. Wow. You know? Wow. What great advice. Yeah, I you told so, you, you're giving out great advice. You'd be surprised, doctor, how many people don't realize that they get offered to go to school at their job. And they don't take advantage of it. That's, yes. that's totally insane. When I was in the military, I would go to all kinds of schools just because they were offered yes. to me for free. You know, spend all time, all kinds yes. of schools. Yes. Yeah. That is, and, 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 and that point you're bringing out, in, in places like um, working in the bank, they always, people don't notice, but they give you money to go back to school. Right. So, like you said. Nobody wants dumb employees. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, you know, being being smart is noticing all the extra perks that go along with the job and then taking advantage of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I start when I went in the military, I started off as a private. By the time I left there, I was a lieutenant colonel. And that's a virtue wow. of me. Uh, you didn't tell me that. Well, you didn't, you didn't ask, but I'm just saying, I'm wow. just trying to relate how important it is to go to school and take advantage yeah. of free schooling. Why would you not do that? You'd have to be an wow. idiot. And if you're going to be in the military or something like that. Get, you. Yeah, well, big deal. But if, I know people that became generals. So, but if you, and and wow. if if you are to be, stop saying that, please. <laughs> if you no, are to, I'm, I'm working here with my buddy and he's a little, he, was, he retired as a lieutenant colonel. Did he? So Is he a dentist? Was he in the medical corps? I can't wait to corps? tell him when I get off the phone. I uh, can't wait to tell him. Yeah, you okay. Need to, you need <laughs> to write down the, the steps that people should take. And start putting that out on the internet. You know how I'm putting it down. I'm classes. telling you, take advantage of yes. school. Your biggest asset yeah. is education. Now, a lot of people think um, throwing a football. If you can do that, fine. Use it to go to school. That's the biggest yes. thing. There's only a few slots in the NBA, you know, or, or uh, the NFL. Only a few slots. Millions of kids want those yeah. slots. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like being struck by lightning to get in there, no matter how good you are. So it's, yeah. it's more. Most of people that most people that I know that made it made it from, with their with their knowledge of something. Being an yes. expert in something. Yes. Okay, and you too, yes. I'm sure. Not because they were a professional athlete or because they were a movie star. The, yes. You know, we need to start teaching our children that. If you can do that stuff, fine. You know, try to excel mm -hmm. in that, but get your education if they're going to see you in school on a scholarship, a basketball scholarship. Mm -hmm. Get your damn school yeah. education. Don't waste your Now, if, if your parents out to be professional, you know, in a, uh, NBA or NFL, fine. At least you got something yes. to fall back yes. on when your career's over. Yes. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? Am I making any sense, Dr. <laughs> Like what you were saying, there are only a few slots in the NFL and yeah. NBA and all of that, but it's it's millions of slots. <laughs> millions of slots out the in these in other the professions. Life, right, in, in the, the game, game of life. life it's yep. millions of slots. Yep. And we don't so teach our like children that. We don't teach our children wow. that. We, think, we teach them they're going to be a star quarterback in the NFL. Yes. That's the most idiotic yes. thing now. You you can do it. It's possible, mm -hmm. but it, <laughs> you've got a bad chance of being struck by a lightning bolt, you know. Mm -hmm. Tell you that right yeah. now, and I've seen guys that were good in sports, and wow. you know, used to go to school, yeah. and they realized that okay, this is the level I'm out of reach. I'm not going any further than this, but I'm gonna get my education out of it. They were yeah. smart, yeah, yeah. So, people not aware of that, right? Oh, I love you. I love your show. Love your show. Okay, I appreciate it, Doctor. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank you so much. Okay, let's go. Alrighty, let's go to Charles. Okay, bye bye. All right, ma'am. Thanks for calling. In. Good afternoon, Charles. How's it going? Yeah, I, I got to examine those two statements that you keep making. Okay, examine them, Charles. You have the right now, to do that. Go ahead. Now, those two statements. What two statements are we talking about, Charles? Well, I'm going to get to them. But no, no, tell me what they are. Let's just handle it direct. I'm a direct person. I don't like you being around. Tell okay. me what the two statements are. You, that. you continue to say they won't, and you continue to say. Who is they? 
we won't. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm paraphrasing what you said. That's what you continue to say. They okay. won't, and you continue to say, we won't. Okay, Charles, get to your point. Make your point. Okay, Make now, point. what I was hearing was a lot of okay. self, well, well no, Make a your lot point. of nation-defeating statements. You know, because there's no such thing as they won't let you do something. Right, I get I mean, that. I get that. They, they didn't, no, they didn't no, let me. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. How can nobody can stop me from doing what I've done, Charles? America would not let us do something. Okay, all right. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm not saying. Look, when I say they won't let us do anything, I'm not. I don't mean that you can't do anything. I've done a lot of exceptional things in my life, and I know there's this country. There's opportunities in this country. I know that, but there are barriers. And there are real barriers to to Pursue those opportunities. I probably had to work ten times as hard as somebody if 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 I was I'm just, I'm just telling it like it is. White um there's a such thing as a white privilege. There is. It's irrefutable, it's been proven. And even white people know that. You know, if you ask them, they're honest about it. But um I didn't let that get in my way. All right. And I'm not bragging about anything. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you, you can make it, but you gotta you gotta be you gotta persevere. As I as I said, my brother he tried several ways to go into business and some of them flopped and he just kept at it. And uh He's self-sufficient. He doesn't work for um, corporate America. I don't work for corporate America. I'm not dependent on them. I can say what I want in this area. I ain't got to worry about nobody at my job telling me, you know, you know, ask me what, why, what was I talking about or anything like that. I don't have to mess my words. Not on the air. You know, not in relative to my livelihood. So, you know, that's that's another reason why I have the show. I've heard a lot of things on the radio that's disturbing to me, and I felt like it needed to be righted. Um, let's talk to Ernest. Well, Good afternoon, Ernest. Going How's it going? going? All right, Ernest, how's it going? I really like your show, sir. It's very positive. And a lot of stuff that you do say, which is true, whereas though it's hard for a person, especially if you have a criminal background record, such as myself, whereas though I had to start my own company off, right? which is you, a Division 7 fire stop. And we company. both know that that nobody's stopping us. We both know that. but oh, no. But in reality, there are barriers, the true barriers, like criminality and, and things that we fall into as young people because it's been set up, it's been ordered that way by social engineering. From yes, things like sir. the war on drugs, et cetera. And we still run across that privileged stuff that's out here. Although I'm a minority certified company, but they still, they throw that out there, but they still have ways with those. Right, right. They, they, can, they can undercut that. Time. Now, let me, can I speak yes. to that real quick? Eric? Yes, sir. Okay, now, the city of Baltimore, a lot of people don't realize this. There is a minority uh, business uh, enterprise program. I'm a member of it. The, yes, city, of, the city of Baltimore, and I, I haven't benefited from it, <laughs> but just in uh, case, I got the certification. But the, mm-hmm. I had one out there to try to get it. But the city of Baltimore is constantly writing waivers for contracts. You know, they yep. did with the casino. A lot of people don't realize they that. Do, they, they do they it almost do daily. Yeah. They and do it a lot. They let they billions. They go in there, they underbid, and yep. then they write, they do change orders once they end. Yep. They yep. do change orders well, once they end. And, and then, then some people, the some people, white women are minorities. So some people use their wife to front for the company. Yeah. And that's another technique they use. Now, yep. so, and I would, look, I'm going I'm to say this. I don't know if uh, Miss Pugh is listening, but she's going to be the next mayor of this uh, city. It's not fair for them to take all the wealth. I mean, they want all of it. You got a majority of it, a majority black city. You don't have to have everything when you have projects like Port Covenant and things like that. The one percent yes, don't want, the one percent want everything. They don't want to share any of it with us. They want, they don't have a problem with us living in poverty. You know, our people living in poverty and stuff. They, they, they can't just give us a few crumbs, you know? A few crumbs. So, so if I would encourage her to be, look, you spend a lot of, if she's listening, you spent a lot of time in politics, all right? You benefited heavily from being in, from black people voting for you and being in politics. You've been three terms in the Senate, and uh, you're going to probably be the mayor because the Republican run against you ain't got a snowball chance in the heck of getting, yes, being sir. the mayor of Baltimore. So yes, I would sir. say to you, on your way out, 
Be a Marion Barry. Stand up for black now, people. There I you mean, go. go out and stop. That's what I was getting ready to say. That's what I would do. Take some notes from Mr. Marion <laughs> Barry. Please take some notes from Marion Barry. <laughs> and then stand up, you know, because it's yeah. not fair what's going on. And our black politicians, you're there to write this stuff. And if you're not doing it, you've been co-opted, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're right. So, I'm I sorry, go ahead. like to thank you again, sir, and your show is very, very positive, and I very much enjoy listening to you. And I, I enjoyed your uh, conversation. Thank you for calling Thank now. you very much, sir. Thank All you right. so much. Okay, so, <clears throat> as we as we spoke, um, you know, there are barriers to employment. There's even barriers to um, going into business, but that doesn't make it impossible. That doesn't make it impossible, people. You you can still you can still do this. Um, but let's talk about let's, let's we have a lot again, we have a lot of violence and we always say this ignorant stuff like why we need to stop killing each other when something goes awry. We don't again we don't analyze what's causing this stuff. And like I say, a lot of times the violence is is related to the drug war. And um and, and it's something that was done intentionally by by Richard Nixon, as Ehrlichman and Haldeman admitted in his diaries, Ehrlichman Admitted on television in, in the nineties, and that's putting the dustbin of history. So most people don't even realize that even went down. You know, the conversation with Nixon about uh, starting the war on drugs to uh, disrupt black communities and and uh, impugn their leaders, et cetera, and break up their meetings. So, but you can look it up; it's on the internet now. Nobody can block it. You know, that's one thing about the internet; you can't hide stuff anymore. So, let's talk about crime without jobs. Or, yeah, crime. Yeah, let's see why this stuff matters. Ah. Now, contrary to what anybody tells you, the unemployment problem in America is not 5.2% you hear a day in the newspapers and read, read. That is not about black folk. That's about whites. They're only talking about people who are either getting unemployment compensation or looking for jobs. That's how they're getting that figure. The unemployment rate in America for black folk today is 34% nationally. Now, if you want to understand how devastating that is, Think for a second. Follow me along. Think about this. When the unemployment rate in America for whites went up to 25% in the 1920s, they called it a depression. Now, the unemployment rate for blacks hasn't even come down to 25%. But when the unemployment rate went up for whites and hit 25%, they used every level of government. They said it's a depression and every piece of machinery, money, anything must be used to bring that employment rate down. And now with black unemployment rate, not at 25%, at 34%, nobody cares. They say we can't, that's not the role of government to help with the, un with the employment problem. 34% for blacks nationally. Now in Detroit, Michigan, Baltimore, and New York, the unemployment rate is 45%. Don't think that's bad yet. I'm giving you the worst stuff yet. In Philadelphia, I mean in Pittsburgh, it is 49%. And for black youth in this country, it is 57%. That's why you got your problem. Yeah, that's why you got your problem with crime, is what he's going to say. Okay, that was Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, the author of Poweronomics. And as you can see, that that is a catalyst for some of the violence and the crime that we have in the street. We got, we got a lot of young, healthy men of combat age, <laughs> they're unemployed, and they can't um, make a living otherwise, guess what happens? Okay, now, during the Depression, Great Depression, we had all kinds of uh, gangsters, outlaws come out. You had you had Billy, um, uh, not Billy, you had um, uh, uh, Barney and Clyde gang, you had the uh, John Diligent gang, the Pretty Boy Floyd gang, and uh, Babyface Nelson gang, and all these 
desperados that were that were hero- canonized, you know, made heroes later on in life, you know, and, and that was during the Depression. They did what they felt they had to do to survive. These were white people. They weren't black people, but the they Kennedys. had 25% unemployment. Even huh? the Kennedys. Even the Kennedys, yeah. John John Kennedy's father uh, was a bootlegger, you know, when, uh, when, when liquor was illegal. That's how they got a lot of their wealth. And um, he's on money. He's on a 50-cent piece, okay? And he, he became president. Son became president. He was a... Joe Kennedy was actually an ambassador to England <laughs> before they recalled him for taking up for the Nazis. But uh, that's another story. Um, uh, so I'm not excusing again. I'm not excusing cl- crime, and I got to call this whole culture. I'm not excusing crime. I'm just saying that there's there's a catalyst for this. And when other people have been pressed, when they had 25 percent unemployment, we have 51 percent. They become criminals. And by, by the way, drive-bys were invented by white people. They said runners on the side of cars where the gangsters would shoot off the side of cars with Tommy, Tommy guns, you know, when alcohol was illegal. You know, there were hundreds of murders in, in Chicago when alcohol was illegal in the, 30, in the 30s and the late 20s. All right, let's take the next caller. Okay, we have Brother Hockey. Yes, sir. Yes, Brother sir. Hockey. How's it going, sir? Good, man. Well, I appreciate you playing Dr. Claude Anderson's work, and, and you know, you're definitely on point with your discussion about uh, other ethnic groups, how they started actually, and how they, uh, you know, when they are pressed and, you know, they, they use various means to exploit within the market. So I just wanted to say thank you for playing Dr. Anderson, who has been suppressed on right, this station over the past <laughs> three years. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that, Brother Akeem. Thank you, sir. We're going to talk you, about brother. Clarence Thomas. This is dangerous to uh, nationalism, <laughs> too. Let's talk about Clarence Thomas and nationalism, and, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. Thomas, quite frankly, is a classical black man. <laughs> no, it's, 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 no, 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 you're right. But so many people don't identify with that. But what I want to what I want to break down is that like how does you know if, if you really do believe in black nationalism and that we can do this on our own, like this is what it leads to. No, don't 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 worry about them white people. Don't don't try to depend on them. We don't we don't need them. They never been there for us. We got to do stuff on our own. And this is the end of that. This 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 is the natural. This is it leads to a Clarence Thomas. Because if you really believe that and you ideologically are in that position, that's who you are. It's fascinating is if you read books like Wilson Moses' The Golden Age of Black Nationalism, you read some of Adolf Reed, you read some of the critiques of black nationalism. The main critique of black nationalism by many people was Stuart said it, is that it's not progressive. It's not a left politics. It's conservative by nature. It's conservative is that it makes no demands on the status quo or policy initiatives to demand resources to be allocated to black people to change their condition. It assumes that we do not need government. It's very libertarian and right wing in, in its ideology, but because it's coached in this kind of racial pride vindication, we are black people who need to rise on our own, and we're better than these white folk, it seems empowering. And I'm not saying it doesn't have an ideological value in terms of creating a sense of uh, cultural empowerment psychologically, but my argument is, and many will disagree with this, that in terms of a practical policy reality, it is bankrupt because there's no ethnic group. White people have gotten help from the government from, you know, from the, you know, getting massive uh, land in the Homestead Act, new, the New Deal, all of these things, you know, you know um, government set aside some subsidies for businesses. The notion that there are people who just come here and do it on their own, they don't depend on government, is absolutely ridiculous. I'm sure you remember recently they was found out that one of the biggest beneficiaries of Section 8 housing in New York are Hasidic Jews. 
Yeah. Right? In New York yeah. City. So this notion that like, oh yeah, that look they did it. The Jews came here, they did it on their own. And I'm not saying that the Jews all depended on Section 8 housing, but this is a fictitious notion that black people have that we're the only people in America that depend on government. Have you ever heard of the homeless that? They were no. giving white people people land by the thousands for free. They don't. Okay. So as you that's one of the dangers of, of now I agree with a lot of tenants of black, uh, black nationalism, I do, but we got to be careful when we say that we don't need any help from the government because there's been a lot of things done by the government intentionally to harm us, you know, and uh, one of them would be the war on drugs. That was a big one. And um, and the other one would be uh, forcing all the black uh, males out of the household uh, during uh, the 60s when we had marriage rates that were comparable to uh, white people and then destroying the homes so people could get decent medical and all this stuff that were in poverty. They had to ask their husbands to leave a lot of times so they can get free medical and, and stuff like that they need for their kids. So they had to choose between their man and their children in a lot of cases. And that destroyed, that helped destroy the black family. And the uh, uh, the war on drugs pushed it over the top. Okay. Okay, we're about to conclude. And um, I would like to thank everybody for, for tuning in. This is going to be um, the last episode of the Call Tyrone Show. Um, I enjoyed all the dialogue with everybody. Um, this is a busy season for me. So it's kind of hard for me to balance my job and doing this um, at the same time. And uh, a lot of times it costs me a lot of money to be in here talking to you all, but I appreciate it, and I'm humbled by the opportunity. Not saying I won't come back, but if, you know, in the future, but I'm certainly willing to um, when things slow down a little bit. When it's hot, ACs is, are hot. The AC systems are hot, and I need to get out there and make that money. Um, Zach? Um, yes, it's definitely been a pleasure uh, to be on the show. And, you know, I've learned a lot and, you know, it's been great hearing all the dialogue and discussion um, and, you know, coming up with solutions and, you know, really analyzing and breaking down some of the things that are really hidden in plain sight. Um, and, you know, you guys, um, you know, if you want to go ahead and uh, listen to the previous episodes, you can go to calltyroneshow.com or Google us and find us on SoundCloud. And, um, you know, it's definitely been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I thank you for all your participation. And I thank everybody for the commentary and supporting the show. Um, hopefully, uh, when things slow down a little bit for me, I can come back and, and help to inform the community. But I, I, again, I'm humbled by the experience. And I appreciate all the callers. And I thank you for your time. I break down and cry. Oh, baby, walk on by.